What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. Enough sound uh-huh. for the um, for the videos, but I don't know. We'll see. So your boom is actually literally picking up the sound of the router. Yes. The electricity coming out of the It picks up right. everything. Like when I used to do ASMR, I would turn off the fridge and turn off everything so I could have it like at a higher volume. Uh-huh. And it... To get the sounds of... The eating. The eating. And all the sounds. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what ASMR is about. It's yeah. about all those sounds. A lot of people are really into that. Yes, they are. It's like a fetish? Um... I like what? That... You know what? Actually, yeah... For me, that's what I've always wanted. Like, is it a sexual thing or is it like a, a a satisfying and gratifying thing for someone? Like, what is, I guess, the fetish that is wrapped up in ASMR? Well, ASMR produces, like, for people that get it, it's like this wave of tingle Because I don't sensation. get it. Over your whole body. Yeah. I've, oh, really? I've never experienced that. Mm-hmm. So, I'm an ASMR artist, I'll create the content and like I enjoy watching videos and I find them relaxing and stuff, but I don't experience the ASMR like tingle sensation. But that's what That's deep. That's what people who watch those videos, they're after that feeling that it gives them. Uh-huh. And it's very relaxing. Euphoric. It helps with anxiety. There's actually been like studies done where it literally like reduces stress in the body um so people are more after that Mm -hmm. i imagine there's some people that might go to it for a fetish type of reason but mainly it's for people that get asmr and they have that kind of experience of those tingles really yeah i would have never like honestly i thought it was something as simple as like someone who has a foot fetish yeah right but now that you're talking about it, something that's happened to me in the past, where like I'll be at a party, and and you know like we're talking years and years and years ago, over 14 years ago, but somebody'd be really drunk, and in order to talk to me because we're at a party, they'd have to get really close <laughs> and talk to my ear, like you know, and, and I'm half deaf, I can't hear out of my left ear, so they would talk to my ear like really close. And it would like literally give me chills down my spine and it was super uncomfortable for me. So I wonder if that's the same effect, but some people enjoy it. I definitely, I mean, I've never even heard of ASMR tingles. Yeah, I've wondered that too, because I've got like tingly sensation in my body from various things. And I'm like, is that what's going on? But Uh I guess until you actually have the experience yeah. you don't really know mm-hmm. um, like some people don't even know they have ASMR and then they'll watch a specific video and it'll trigger it and they'll be like oh my god I got the tingles like someone said that to me about one of my videos They're like I've never had this happen before but your video gave me the tingles yeah. and I'm like wow it's amazing 
That's so crazy. Yeah. So what does ASMR stand for? It's... <laughs> You're all I don't even know. I don't remember. Automotory sensory something. Here, let me look it up. Jamie, if you could just Google that for us, that'd be... <laughs> oh, wait, this isn't... Oh, never mind. Yeah, I forget things sometimes. Sorry, guys. Automotus sensory meridian response. I wouldn't ever remember that. Yeah, so thank I'll give you. you a break. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I should know that though. Yeah. Uh, but automotorous sensory meridian response. So it's like literally triggering this response in people. Uh huh. Yeah. See, that's funny. It's like when I did a podcast with a buddy on CBD. He told me all different kinds of names and phrases and CBD things that I couldn't sit here and try to tell you <laughs> if I tried. All I remember is cannabinoid bediolus, <laughs> some shit like that. But CBD is still great. I love CBD's it. CBD is deep, man. There's it a is. whole rabbit hole in itself. It is. It is. For sure. We don't need to go down that yeah, rabbit hole. But you were there already. I, I love that. I love CBD's product. It's wonderful. I'm just relating to the fact that I can't remember shit 99% of the time. So you're safe. Don't okay, feel bad. Good. You're totally safe. Don't feel bad. Um, so I guess why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself. I've known you since you were a 14-year-old kid. Yeah. Um, and I was a 16-year-old kid maybe. I think so. And uh, so we've known each other for... 20 years. No, well, 18 years. Long For a long time. time. Like, we're old. We're old people now. <laughs> yeah, we're not in high school anymore. Um, oh, funny. So, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us where you grew up and, yeah, who are you? Well, my name's Star and I, I guess since we're doing this on a hunting Let's just DIY outdoors. DIY outdoors, okay. Well, I was raised um, kind of by alternative parents. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess you call them hippies. Yeah. So I lived a very alternative. Your mom's a badass. Yeah, my mom's amazing. I've known your mom forever. And I mean, even growing up after I got out of rehab when I was 16 or 17, you know, I'd talk to your mom on the phone on several different occasions. For like an hour or two hours. And she was always the sweetest, kindest, nicest woman to me. Which was great because it was, you know, me coming from where I was. I was always the kid that everybody's parents warned them about. Like, don't you hang out with that kid. And your mom was so kind and loving to me. It was, you know, awesome. For me, you know, I totally appreciated it. So uh, She must have not have known that. Because I was the person where... You were the kid. I was the kid. Parents well, I was, would be I, like, don't, don't hang, hang out, out with, with her. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that was the beauty of it, though, because you were entering that phase and I was coming out of that phase, which I think is why your mom was connecting with me. On Yeah. Just like, how can I help her? My how can mom. I help? Yeah. How can I help my radicalized daughter in Fairfax? Yeah. I put her through ringer. <laughs> we all did, though. Yeah. Most of us in our area of expertise in that town were. Yeah. Parent torturers. Poor parents. Right? 
Um, so, yeah. Alternative? I was raised by my parents, kind of an alternative upbringing. We moved around a lot. Um, I lived in many different states. <clears throat> Went to a lot of different schools. Um, and throughout that time, like, I was raised, I was born and raised a vegan, vegetarian. Mm-hmm. So I never ate any meat or anything. And then I think I was, like, six years old. And I screamed at my mom, and I was like, I want cheese! Like, I really was not having it. Like, yeah. I wanted to eat dairy. And I imagine it's because at school and stuff, they would eat cheese. Bean and cheese burritos, Yeah, and cheese I was just like, pizza, felt like I was missing day. out. I actually have memories of, like, um, we lived in Jamaica for, like, nine months with my mom and my dad. And then me and my mom came back, and we moved in with my aunt and her two boys and her family for a while. And my mom would wake up every morning before she went to work and she would make my special food. You know, it was like super healthy, all vegan, you know, natural, organic ingredients. And my aunt would make sure to feed me my food when my cousins, you know, who were one and two years older than me, got to eat, you know, cereal, sugared cereal, and mac and cheese, and all this Jimmy stuff. Jimmy sausage. Yeah, and I just remember being so, like, I want that. I even would throw tantrums. Like, one mm-hmm. time I would scream and scream and scream, and my aunt made me go up in my room, and she was like, you can scream all you want, but you have to do it up here, and she closed the door. And I would open the door, and I would just scream, and then she'd come and close the door. Just because I wanted to eat, like you know, normal food. So finally, when I was six years old, I think this would have been around like four. um, I was like, that's it. I've had enough. I need some cheese. So we became vegetarian. Mm -hmm. Um, Still moved around quite a bit. So how old were you when you lived in Jamaica? Four. Okay, so you don't really remember that. Well, I do. It's oh, like do. my first memories are from living, living in, Jamaica. in Jamaica. Does your dad still live in Jamaica now? No. no. He's left. What was what 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 are your first memories from Jamaica? That's crazy. Yeah. So I went there with my mom and my dad and like we didn't do the typical tourist thing. Like there's a tourist part of Jamaica where it's like really nice. Um, but then there's like Jamaica, which is like super poverty, you know, people are really living in impoverished conditions. We lived in the mountains with the people, like in, you know, there was no white people around there. It was like us. Um, And our house was like very primitive. We didn't have electricity. It was like a floorless shack probably it wasn't floorless it had a floor but like we slept on cinder blocks you know on a wood panel raised up on cinder blocks we didn't have running water we caught rainwater. we had bats living in the roof um our bathroom was an outhouse Mm -hmm. a kitchen was a fire pit outside yeah um when we wanted to bathe you know we would have to heat up our own water on a fire pit so it was like very primitive type conditions those were some of my first memories um living with people and i spoke patois like i forgot how to speak english um because you know when you're young you pick up languages really quickly and that's how like the people talk there is patois can you still or no no not at all (laughs) actually my aunt who we moved in with she made me drop it drop it she was like 
very no you can't talk like that so I lost it pretty quickly but yeah totally spoke like the people there and even um Bob Marley's mom lived there mm-hmm. and I knew her everyone called her Mrs. Booker and she really liked me oh how a cool. little four-year-old sitting yeah. on Bob Marley's mom's lap um so yeah I think it was good you know to have that type of experience being young because mm-hmm. it like I don't know when you experience more of the world you really grow yeah absolutely well I feel like it really helps open people's minds like most people that grew up where we grew up that I know that have gone out and traveled around the world and then they come back like a lot of people are like wow I'm really grateful for all of the amazing amenities that we have as human beings in America compared to you know 80% of the rest of the planet and all the places that these people travel to to backpack or say they went here or say they went there. We're so lucky. Yeah. Such a blessing. Whenever I travel or go anywhere else, it's like, yes, I really enjoy the experience and I love it. But then I'm always like, California, so grateful. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Right. So you came back. You guys were living at your aunt's house. Yeah. You were throwing tantrums. You wanted to eat all this food. So was it difficult for you growing up? Did you feel like an outsider because you were eating special meals compared to what the rest, excuse me, what the rest of the kids were eating or? I did actually. I can remember going to school and like wanting to eat what other kids were eating and like kids would trade for other things. And there was a really popular thing. I don't know if it's popular now, but Lunchables where it's like, you know, some crackers in one little square and then some cheese in one mm-hmm. little square. And like, I wanted like Lunchables and like regular stuff that kids ate and no one would ever trade with me because I'd be going to school with like my like brown rice nori roll, like super healthy. Now I'm like really grateful because I see the value in healthy food. But then well, but I didn't us, care. Well, it's so funny too. None of us are, are top values of a healthy diet and yeah. what that does for us. You know, like I know for myself that when I eat like shit, I literally mentally and emotionally feel like shit. And until I either sweat that out or get that food out of my digestive system, however long it takes, like, it has in my it has full encompassing um, I can't think of the right word uh, effects on my life mentally emotionally and spiritually like it it blocks me off from so much stuff and I don't know if that's processed or whatever so I can I totally relate to what it's like growing up you know being on the other side where I mean my parents didn't feed me shit but you know, there was, there's no education about what healthy diet and nutrition and anything like that in any of our school systems, really, no. whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, my parents came from, like, the worst of the worst. My mom was fed, you know, TV dinners and canned food, basically, her whole upbringing. And same with my dad, really. Um, but my mom went vegetarian when she was 19, and my dad, I think, in his early 20s, and just did a total flip around and was just really passionate and into healthy food. I think the first time my mom had like a carrot juice, it changed her life. Like she drank this 
uh, organic carrot juice and was just like, oh my God. Because most of her vegetables and stuff were from a can. She didn't even know what it was like to have a fresh beverage like a carrot juice. And for me, I just really take that for granted because I had that my whole life, I guess. Um, So, yeah, I would say in my teens um, was really when I started eating. So I was vegetarian up until my teens, and then I started eating kind of more... Well, I think the first time I ate, like, meat, I was, like, 16, or no. Yeah, I was around 16, and it was with my friend, and he was eating chicken wings. Mm -hmm. And I was really stoned, because I was um, doing stuff, you know, teenager. And Good old Fairfax hippie kid. Yeah, good old Fairfax hippie kid, and I was really stoned with my friend, and he was eating these chicken wings, and I was like, damn, all right, give me a chicken wing. And I tried a chicken wing, and that would have been, like, my first time eating chicken wings. That same friend got me to eat a burger. <laughs> was it from M&G's? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was M&G's an M&G's bomb. burger. Yeah. Um, special sauce. Yeah. Before that, man, I used to love going there and just getting the fries with the special sauce. Mm-hmm. That was like, we would always go there and get fries and special sauce. So good. Hell yeah. So, then what? Um, so I experimented eating meat and never like, I was never a meat eater and I was never eating like quality meats. I didn't care about that. I would just be like with friends just a or just like, burgers or yeah, a teenager having burgers or getting like a can of chili. I think I lived in this cabin at one point and I was existing on like chili and ramen, just not really caring about Anything else? Anything, really. I didn't care about food. I was just, like, trying to have a good time, honestly. Let's party! Yeah, I was like, all I wanted to do was party. Um, And then when I was 19, I started working at Cafe Gratitude, Mm -hmm. which is, like, a raw... At this time, it was a raw, organic, vegan restaurant. Now it's not raw anymore. They don't even have the one that I used to work at anymore. It was the one in San Rafael. Yeah, in the Miracle Mile. Yeah, so I was working there, and I was feeling really inspired by the vegan people there and everything, and then that's when I decided to go vegan again. Um, So I went vegan again when I was working there, and um, shortly after that, so I'd be living in Marin, I moved to Los Angeles um, with a good friend of mine, and I kind of had like a spiritual awakening there <laughs> where I just became really like aware of myself and my thought process and like where I was in life and I realized man I'm fucked <laughs> like what was your what age were you down there at when that all happened I moved there when I was 20 okay just because I I can relate to that having moved to into the belly of Hollywood when I oh. was you know 21 years old and spent a year and a half or two years doing the Hollywood grind and film and photography and oh. everything down there. And then coming to, you know, a, a serious emotional and mental realization of what am I doing? Who am I? What's going on? You know, and having that spiritual awakening of like, okay, 
you know, and that was what propelled me back into the outdoors and nature and wildlife and all that kind of stuff. So you're... Yeah, I can relate, like kind of similar, well, I moved to LA and I had this spiritual awakening and I realized like where my mental focus was the majority of the time and just how kind of negatively focused I was on life, on myself, just on everything. And I realized that, you know, to really enjoy your life, it's really about, you know, how you exist in your mind, like your experience of yourself and of the world. And I was like, oh my God, like this is where I need to be like way over here. And I'm like way over here and I need to try and bridge the gap. And I was like, okay, well, what I really need to do, I need to stop taking drugs. I need to stop drinking. I need to, you know, prioritize my health. I need to figure out, I was waiting tables at the time and I was like, I don't want to wait tables anymore. Like I need to figure out how to get ahead in life. So I really stopped doing everything. Like I was like, okay, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to do drugs anymore. I'm going to start school. Um, so that's what I did. I started school down there and I started working out and I started doing yoga. Exercise. Yeah. How beneficial was exercise to you throughout this process? Exercise has, tran like, I would not be the person that I am today without exercise. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just transformed, like, I don't know, there's something about, if you feel good in your body, like, you feel good in your mind. Yeah. If you don't feel good in your body, that's like, at least this is it my experience, that's always with you. Because you're, no matter what... You are with your body. Yeah. You can't get away from your body. And like the more fit I become, just the better I feel in my body. And yeah. it like influences my whole life. <laughs> so I'm a huge advocate for physical exercise. And whatever anyone wants to do. For me, it's um, I really like yoga and I really like weight training. But mm -hmm. I've experimented and done so many things throughout the course of the time when I started working out. But it's so important, in my opinion, it's so important to have a vast variety of different things that we've tried. Because how, and I'm speaking for myself now, how can I figure out what is going to work best for me to stay connected and grounded through exercise without having experienced plenty of different varieties of exercise. Cause I've done Bikram yoga and I did yoga for a lot of years, um, weight training, running, you name it to find what actually works for me. And it, and it sounds like that's kind of what you're pointing out is that for the individual, it's extremely important. Yeah. I mean, if you don't try things, you never know. Like I, when I started working out, I was so physically weak like and not flexible like I couldn't touch my toes like I couldn't lift myself up into a back bend I couldn't lower myself down just from a plank to the ground I just didn't have the strength mm -hmm. um so I started off very not flexible and very weak and just like building that up and like getting more flexible and getting more strong feels like so amazing in the body and you never know like what you're gonna like until you try different things like I spent years doing classes at the gym you know I did everything I tried everything <laughs> I did like steps classes I did Zumba I did uh, random kind of like weight stuff 
I don't know, they have all these different names and different classes. You name it, I did it. I did free yoga in the park. Like, I was trying to do anything that I could. And I only started weight training, like... Just a couple of years ago, Yeah, right? a few years ago. Yeah. And I realized that is where it's at, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love weight training because you just get, like, physical results. You know, it's cardio. Yeah, you'll get the, like, endurance, the heart, whatever. And you'll get some physical results. But weight training, just, I don't know, it sculpts the physique in a way that I don't see any other type of exercise being able to do. So if that's of interest, then weight training is the way to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're living in L.A. You're starting to find exercise yeah I found exercise which changed like has been so important to me um I started school honestly I was really stressed out it was a very stressful time in my life because I was working waiting tables going to school and like mind you I hated school you know throughout my whole schooling of you know high school grade school I was never a school person how come like, what did you hate about it? I hated the schoolwork, uh-huh. <laughs> studying, um, just the work part of it. Yeah. For I me, mean, I mean, I think back at high school, and that was, like, the worst time of my life. Like, I not only did I hate the schoolwork, you know, and all that kind of stuff, but, like, the social makeup of the structure and popularity and... All of the different things that go into being in school and and all of that just like was so difficult for me to deal with growing up. That's so interesting because I never would have thought that about you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah. Most people wouldn't have. I never would have thought that. But that for me, like high school, I, I just, I dread, like I dread thinking about what it was like. Going to high school and my and all senior that kind of year stuff. was really hard because I hung out with like a grade above me a lot, and then in senior, like everyone was gone, gone. and I was like, I really, yeah, senior year was really hard. But I went to a lot of different high schools, like transferred schools and stuff. Yeah, it was hard, but as far as the work goes, like I would cheat honestly in high school like without blinking an eye not care about it because I just didn't care about school and then in LA like I decided it was my like if I'm gonna do school I'm gonna do it the best that I can so I decided I'm gonna get straight A's and that's the end of it so I had to work really hard like to maintain um, a 4.0 GPA at community college Cause I decided I wanted to transfer to like a really good school and it was like the most difficult thing. I completely like turned into like a hermit kind of, and just kind of imploded on myself just because the stress of everything, um, got really intense. So I ended up leaving LA. I moved back to the Bay area. I went to burning man festival for my first time. <laughs> And that was a great kind of release from all the stress. I always had really fun summers. Like, the school year was, like, stress. And then summers, I always just kind of, like, wild out. Blowing off steam. Yeah. Yeah. And I would blow off more steam. Like, 
every time I've gone to Burning Man or a festival, I always go, okay, I'm going to be sober. And then I get, get there in. and I'm like, hmm, let's do acid and, you know, all the stuff that you kind of do at Burning Man. And then I leave Burning Man and I'm like the shell of a human and I can barely even like... Fried. Because I'm like, I'm such an extreme person like I just go I don't know when to say no if I start something I just want to like keep it going and for days on end I'm a crazy partier LSD is a hell of a drug I don't do I know it is I mean it's amazing I've actually had some really incredible experiences on LSD Uh I'm super done with LSD at this point in my life but yeah I've had some really amazing like I mean it can it can. It has the potential to really open people's minds. Absolutely. I'll, I'll agree with that. I mean, for me, my, my eighth grade and freshman year was, I was heavy into psychedelics and, and hallucinogens, mushrooms and LSD. That was kind of all there really was on the table at the time as far as that kind of stuff was concerned. But, you know, it was, uh, I would never recommend any kids in that age group to experiment (laughs) with that at all, nor am I condoning it. But for me, the amount I think that it has affected and shaped me as the human being that I am today and allowed me to be as open-minded and uh, spiritually fit as I am today, uh, I think I owe a lot of it to, you know, mind-altering you know, hallucinogenic drugs and I don't doubt that, stuff man. like that. And exactly like you said, I'm over that. I haven't, I haven't touched any of that stuff. And God, since bef- before I was 15 years old. So I know wow. it's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, and I'm 34 now, so we're talking, you know, coming up into 20 years since I've gone down any of those rabbit holes. But I, I feel like the spiritual benefits that can come out of some hallucinogenics are uh, mind-blowing, to say the least. They are. You know, the realizations that we can have yeah. about ourselves and the, and the connection that we can create uh, with the planet and Earth. You know, for me, I've always been on the, on the spiritual sense of nature is my God. You know what I mean? Nature controls everything. Nature has a direct path. Nature will conquer no matter what. At the end of the day, nature will prevail. When nature wants human existence off of this planet, because we're fucking terrible to the planet, nature will kill all of us without a shadow of a doubt or a blink of an eye. There is no discrimination of death. There is no discrimination of anything. You are one species, and I will kill all of you. You know, and that's why, to me... I look at, at nature as, as my, my spiritual connection to the earth and my, that's where I get all of my, um, spiritual drive from, you know, there's no, I was never raised religious. So I, I never, you know, I, I know a fair amount of the Bible and, and, uh, I keep a lot of really close friends that are extremely religious and can call me and quote the Bible and, I will talk with them on a daily basis and they'll quote the Bible at me when I'm having turmoil or troubles in my life. And uh, it's funny because I love what they're doing. And 
I can take what uh, I'm open-minded enough to pay attention to what they're saying and look for the benefit instead of saying that this is religion and I can't relate to any of it because there's so much more to that in spirituality than having my mind shut and not being open and receptive to you know something that might be beneficial yeah I totally agree like there's a lot of powerful stuff in the Bible yeah. I'm not a religious person either yeah. but I'm totally down with all the religious people doing their thing yeah. you know and if you want to impart some of your knowledge, which people do that to me as well. They'll be yep. really spiritual and they'll leave sayings from the Bible and stuff like that. And I'll read it. And if it resonates, I'm like, cool. Yeah. I'm like that with all religions though, really. Yeah, like absolutely. if there's something in that religion that resonates with me, then I'll be like, wow, cool. I resonate with that. And if not, yeah. then leave it. You know, yeah. it doesn't, it's right. not good. Um, I think it's funny. I think one of my most powerful, like, life-changing trips of my life I was in like ninth grade mm -hmm. and I um I went to this music festival and I was with my friends at the time and their dad right because we're all like super young kids but he was like a cool dad and he knew that I wanted to take mushrooms and none of my friends did but mm -hmm. I was like I want to take mushrooms and so someone was walking around and she was selling mushrooms and I was like oh yes I was like me I was like I want to get an eighth and she was like, all right, honey, but only take one cap. Because <laughs> I imagine I looked really young, you yeah. know? I look at kids now who are in eighth, ninth grade, and I'm like, wow, like, I was really young back then. Yeah. Didn't feel as long, young as I looked, I'm sure. Um, and then my friends and the dad were all like, okay, you know, just take one cap. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. And we were like at this tent where there was all these music and I just like went out the back and I ended up eating the whole bag. And then I went back in there and like it started hitting me really quickly. But then I was on the dance floor and my body just like was moving like water. Like, I don't know. It opened this like movement in my body that I've never experienced before. Mm -hmm. And it like changed my dancing and I really like to dance. So it's really interesting that like mushrooms kind of had an effect on changing the way I move. And interestingly enough, I went to Burning Man with a girl who that happened to her there when she was, I think she was probably like 24 at the time. And she was like, man, the mushrooms got into my hips <laughs> <laughs> and her dancing like completely changed. You're all, I can totally. Yeah. Know. I'm like, that happened to me. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, the interesting thing about hallucinogens is sometimes that like, at least for me, it's like, I'm at a place where it's like, I've been there before. And I don't need to go back. Yeah. You know, I think... And that goes to how we started out that conversation, which yeah. is like, past that phase. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then I moved back from LA, and um, I moved in a house with like 15 roommates. It was so many roommates. It was a lot of fun. I had a blast. It actually had a name. The name of the house was The Muse. So I think I was 22 when I moved in there. I turned 23 in there. Um, I was going to community, community college, I was working, and I was like, kind of okay. Um, and then when I was 24, I got into UC Berkeley, and then I started school there. I was studying psychology, and I tried 
to live with the roommates and do the school and I just I was so stressed out like mm-hmm. that school was really hard like I think one thing that really affected me was like at community college I worked really hard but I could maintain a 4.0 GPA once I got to Berkeley I could work my ass off there was no way I was going to be able to maintain a 4.0 GPA like really yeah because Berkeley is a school where elevated the best of the best go there and I'm not saying I'm the best of the best at all, but it is a school that attracts just, like, really smart motherfuckers, man, who yeah. are just, like, the best of the best. Like, you know, people... In their fields of study. Yeah, people who are, like, in high school, they're the president, you know, they're the... Student body council leader. Yeah, that. they're, like, the leaders of everything. They're involved in all the, the extracurricular activities. They're getting really good grades, and I'm just, like... The people I didn't hang out with growing the up. The people I didn't <laughs> hang out with either, you know what I mean? All the, like, real go-getter, like, smart people, and it's a school full of just, like, the best of the best of people like that, and I'm just, like... Okay, I worked really hard to maintain that 4.0 GPA at community college. And I felt just, like, really kind of down on myself that, like, I couldn't maintain that grade point average there. And I tried really hard. And, like, what was school. your grade point average there? I think I graduated with a 3.2. Which is phenomenal. It's not a 4.0. It's a 3.2. I think with a 3.2. I think you're selling yourself short there, bud. I think, I don't even know if I could get into grad school with a 3.2. Like, really? I don't know anything about anything after high school. I got expelled six days before <laughs> high school graduation. So. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, they took one credit from me and they were like, you can't graduate anywhere in the state with us taking this one credit, so get out of here. And That's that was, crazy. Yeah. What a-holes. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. That's weird, man. Six days before. So you graduated with a 3.2. Yeah, I graduated with a 3.2, and I was okay. So I was at Berkeley for two years um, with a really rigorous course load because I wanted to make sure to get out of there in two years. Mm -hmm. Um, And the second year, I really chilled out. (laughs) Like I was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to get a a, a 4.0, and I really learned how to be able to study less and... I didn't even end up buying my textbooks at that point. I realized I could just take notes and look online. I like discovered this whole way of studying that made it easier and I kind of like cracked the system a little bit for me. Like I still couldn't get a 4.0 GPA, but I could um, just like relax a bit and like be a bit more chill. So my senior year was good and then I graduated and I was like, ah, I'm free. Um, all the while, I'm vegan still at this point, and I end up um, becoming kind of part of this online vegan community where uh, it's largely fruitarian, and it's called like high carb, low fat, where you eat like really low fat and like lots of fruit mainly and carbohydrates like vegetables and stuff like that. And there's this whole like online community and world and at this point in time I have my YouTube channel I'm trying to make it as a YouTuber but it's not my current channel that I have now it's this other channel called Divine Bag of Cells um 
And so I get involved with this online kind of fruitarian, high carb, vegan world and lifestyle. And I end up going to, well, how old was I? So I graduated when I was 26. Yeah, shortly after that, I think around like 27, I ended up going to Thailand because there was a fruit festival with a meetup of all these online vegan fruitarian people. Celebrities, <laughs> vegan celebrity people. Yeah, vegan celebrity people as well as just people in the community yeah. um, are meeting up in Chiang Mai, Thailand. So I ended up going there and um, I was in Thailand for four months. And That's a long fruit festival. Well, the fruit no, festival, <laughs> that would be a super long fruit festival, four months. Like, wow. Uh, the festival was a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I was just in Thailand for the rest of the time. And that's where I ended up meeting my then, well, my person who we got married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I met him there and we traveled around together for four months and then we came back here um, together, he ended up coming back here with me, and we worked up north. We were trimming weed. Up north, as in, like Mendocino. Yeah. Actually, yeah, like Mendocino area. Yeah. So we did that for a while, and then um, we ended up moving to Arizona. Yeah. Well, really quick before we get out of that. Yeah. Weed trimming is huge in California. Yes. And especially up in the Emerald oh, Triangle, man. which is where you were at. What was that experience like? How long did you guys live there? What was that whole... Um, so, basically we went there for the season. There's like an outdoor season, mm-hmm. um, which I've actually worked like multiple seasons in my experience of trimming weed up there. It's a whole universe, man. It's a whole world there. Like, they're called Trimmigrants. And people come from all over, all over the, world. the world. Yeah, yeah, come from all over the world to go there to trim weed. Um, the first time I trimmed actually was before I went up there with Patrick. It was um, my dad actually has been trimming weed for a long time, and he got me a gig trimming weed. I was actually in Hawaii on a farm with a fellow person that was in the fruitarian community, and my dad contacts me and he's like. I have this gig for you. You can make some G's. Do you want to come? And I was like, yes. Cause I actually, I went to Hawaii with like $500 in my pocket and like my suitcase. And I'm like, I need money. So I ended up coming back shortly after I got there and went up and worked for my first time trimming weed. And you basically, you live where you trim for the most part, depending like there's all different circumstances, but the people that go there, you know, from out of town live where they trim for the most part. And you basically, it's what you do all day. You kind of wake up and trim and go to sleep. And depending where you are, sometimes they cook food for you. Sometimes people really take care of you. I've been in all different type of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one that my dad got me into was really comfortable. Um, they had a trailer there even. So I got to sleep in a trailer, which is really nice. Like I've, done other trimming where you're sleeping in a tent um and they made food for us and it was really nice and I discovered that I'm a really good trimmer Uh (laughs) I had no idea but like okay so some trimmers I'll watch them and I'm like 
like in my mind I'm like why are you even here man you're barely making any money and it's brutal it's brutal work because for if you want to make really good money you're trimming from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed for like three months straight and you're just sitting there like in a chair looking down at a tray full of weed with some scissors snipping all day long so yeah it hurts your wrists it hurts your hands it hurts your back it hurts your knees like your body like feels it after being there for a while oh i'd imagine it's similar to sitting in front of a computer all day tapping away on a keyboard (laughs) you know it's just repetitive it's very repetitive Oh man, I'm so glad I don't do that anymore. But yeah, I discovered I'm a really good trimmer. So I could leave a season with like 15 grand, which is pretty good. Um, A lot of people don't make that much Mm -hmm. because it's all like how fast you trim. Um, So yeah, that's a whole world in itself. And so Patrick and I were there. We worked a couple different jobs. and made our little pile of cash and then after that we ended up moving which by the way neither of us smoke weed patrick and i don't smoke weed i don't smoke weed don't partake in it it was a job it was a job yeah yeah, which i'm not against smoking weed like my dad i'm around a lot of stoners in my life i was raised with stoners yeah um well it's california there's a lot of people that smoke i mean it's legal here now too so you know. I mean, I don't smoke weed. I don't do any drugs. I don't drink alcohol. But there's people around me from all walks of life that are always partaking in something yes. extracurricular. Absolutely. I mean, most people do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Um, so, yeah. That's all good. But, yeah, we didn't smoke. And then we ended up moving to Arizona. And the reason I wanted to live in Arizona, I looked online and I was like, cheapest place in the country to live and Tucson Arizona is one of them so we moved to Arizona because it's one of the cheapest place in the United States to live like we had a two-bedroom like nice apartment for like $750 a month Mm -hmm. here you can't get a room for that yeah you know when I first moved to Petaluma I was renting a two-bedroom apartment for $950 a month. It used to be so cheap. Yeah. I can't... Even just, like, six years ago. Yeah. Like, when I was renting that room, mm-hmm. when I was living with the 15 roommates, yeah. my rent was, like, $500. Yeah. In now? Berkeley. And now, you'd look... Now, if you were going to move into a place like that in Berkeley with 15 other people, you're still looking at, like, 1200 a yes! month. Yes! Yeah. People can't even live here anymore. It bums me out. Well, they out. price themselves out, though. I mean, in my opinion, like... Everybody wants to talk about um, gentrification and this and that and blah, 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 blah. I mean, and, and, and I look at it as like there's so much money and there's so much real estate and everybody's going to – as long as people are making hundreds of thousands of dollars in the Bay Area – and as long as the tech community continues to grow and grow and grow and grow, the value of everything in California is only going to keep going up. You know, whether you own a 600-acre lot with a tent on it <laughs> or, you know, an acre with a house, it doesn't matter. You know, like, I know people that bought houses in Palo Alto for $200,000 
and then Facebook moved in, and now their house is worth $1.5 million. Wow. And their their house isn't bigger than my garage. You oh know what I mean? God. And the lot, the lot isn't, is you know, the lot's maybe 5,000 square foot lot. It pisses me off, man. Because I'm like, people who live here, who like, this Are is our Are all getting home. kicked out, for sure. Well, I mean, for me, fifth generation. I grew up in Marin County, you know, it's... There's no way that I'll ever be able to afford to buy back into into living in Marin County. And, and my family's been there forever. You know, since before, Mar- you know, turn of the century, 1900s, like... Well, at least you were smart and got your house. Yeah. Well, I lucked out. That's really what it comes down to. The market was still in the bottom when I ended up buying a, buying a house. And without that, I would not be here. And I don't know how much longer I'll end up staying here. You know, there's opportunity in so many other places but I think for me staying in California is one of my biggest things because this is like not only are my family's roots here from the 1800s but you know I've fought for gun rights in this state I've fought for hunting rights in this state you know I've 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 worked with so many nonprofits and charities across the board that I personally feel like for me to give up and leave the state um, would be doing a disservice to myself because of uh, the amount of purpose that I get from, I guess, living in a battleground state. You know, there's always something to be done, you know, and there's always hearts and minds to be changed, which is kind of something that we got to do a little bit today, which we'll get into about you eating elk for your first time and wild game and where you're at in your life you know but like I was saying there's so much to be changed inside the state and in so many ways California no matter what everybody says California's fucked and this and that and everything California is the wild west and it's the last state in the wild west it is the wild west if you look at it the only thing that's different is it's modern age wild west corrupt politicians up and down the board corrupt government everything is fucked from one end to the other, the same people have been running the state for so long. It's a catastrophe, and it's a, a melting pot that's waiting to explode. You know, but yeah, I don't want to leave it because it's so beautiful, man. I it's don't want to so leave it beautiful. either. Like even all the places I've like lived in my life, like this place is home. Yeah. California is home. Yeah. And so many of us who live here, like this is home, and it people is. have to leave because. I honestly look around and I see people just living their lives and I'm like, how are you doing it? Like, yeah. how are you affording to be here? Yeah. Like, I don't even, I'm like, either you have lived somewhere for a really long time, so you don't have to pay as much mm-hmm. or you're rich. <laughs> like, yeah. But even like what's rich because you can yeah. make, you can make a hundred thousand dollars a year here in Sonoma County and you're like maybe upper middle class, maybe. But that's still, in my opinion, around here, that's still pretty middle class. Because to get into the home market, I mean, you're looking at at least a half to 600000 a half a mil to 600000 Yeah. You know, so as to where you look in another state and you're like, damn, I could buy, or even other parts of this state, you're like, damn, I could buy a house for two hundred and fifty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy shit. Yeah, dude. it is crazy. Like in Tucson. Yeah. You get... Badass house for like yeah. what you could get, like little tiny apartment here. Yeah. So you're building your YouTube career. You're living in Arizona. Yeah. 
So this is when I start my, well, I started my channel. Oh, we actually lived in Ukiah for a year, which is like kind of up north. And that was when you and I reconnected. Yeah. And I was like, hey, if you ever want wild game or if you ever want any food, when we reconnected. Yeah. I was like, dude, you and your husband, let me know if you guys ever want to learn hunting or anything. And you're like, actually, we're vegan. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I feel so terrible (laughs) for even bringing it up to you. And you're like, no, it's good. It's good. Which, something that I've liked about our relationship since... We reconnected back then, which is like four years ago now, maybe, or something yeah. like that. Um, you are understanding and accepting of my way of life, and you look at it as more than how 99% of any vegan that's ever approached me. It's like, I'm an animal murderer, and I fucking do terrible things to animals, and I'm a terrible person because of that and and you actually look at it for what it is and you know that I do it for sustainability for myself and um, a lot of things like that which I appreciate you know like you've been super open-minded in the last four years about where I'm at and what I do and how I do it and and appreciative even at times um, while being a vegan and, and living with a pretty devout vegan yeah um you know, and, and understanding and acceptable, or yeah, acceptable maybe, um, which I appreciate because not many people have that ability to be that open minded and understanding, right? Especially when it comes from the vegan community to the hunting community, you know, and that's a huge, <laughs> it is true, it is, it's completely true, and that's a huge gap to bridge, you know. So I, you know, I'm on a tangent now, you know, but I, I appreciate, you know, that from you. Well, thank you. Absolutely. I've always kind of been, I don't know, I like to be open-minded and even in college, I took some, um, anthropology classes and they're just like, you know, every culture, you know, has their own way of doing things. And if you're going to go into that culture Let's say you're an anthropologist going in to study it. You don't want to go in there and have your viewpoint. No, you're doing that wrong. You know, no, you need to change that. It's like you're entering into what someone else is doing and what's right for them. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of how I try to look at individuals and everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like that's what they're doing, what they believe is right for them. You know, can I step into, you know, their world? And even when I was doing my channel, like... In Ukiah, that's where I started my Divine Munchies uh, mukbang eating channel. Mm -hmm. And it was all vegan, obviously, because I was vegan. I actually went vegetarian a little bit after that. Um, But I never was a preachy vegan. Like, I never was like, you need to do this. And a lot of people in the vegan community are that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I have people you know, coming after me because I've changed my diet and stuff like that. And I'm just, now that I'm here, I'm just like, oh, even more grateful for my open-minded outlook. Because could you imagine if I was like a super like preachy vegan who was like super judgmental and just like telling everyone all this stuff. And then I wind up here where I'm like, my God, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, thank God that I was an open-minded um person not a preachy vegan because it makes it so much just like smoother to transition into being an omnivore that I am now (laughs) yeah so what was that like building 
define munchies? It was amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll explain why. So I had been trying to build my uh, Divine Bag of Cells YouTube channel for years. And yeah. it just never really went anywhere. And then with Divine Munchies, it um, you know started to gain some traction and popularity. And people were subscribing to my channel. And they were watching my videos. And I was like, oh my god, my dream is coming true. Um, that was the reason that we moved to Arizona. It was because like, okay, I have some money saved. I can live off my savings and I can focus all my time and energy into building this YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, and a big reason that I started the divine munchies mukbang channel was because I have an ability to eat like a lot of food at once and stay tiny. Yeah. Because you are how tall? Five, six. And you weigh I don't really weigh myself, but you I'm You weigh thin. like 90 pounds. No way. Yeah. No, I weigh way more. There's <laughs> no way I weigh 90 pounds. I probably weigh around like 120, 115, 120. Mm-hmm. Um, I know everybody says never ask a lady about her weight, but because you're talking <laughs> about the fact that you are physically a tiny human. I'm thin. It's true. You know, and you eat... <laughs> I'm not doing that anymore. 5,000 yes. calorie meals yeah. in a video sitting. Well, another piece of my story is um, I've had a, a long struggle with binge eating, mm-hmm. um, which is like, it's compulsive overeating, just like being unable to stop eating. Um And I started binge eating when I was 19. Interestingly, the same time I went vegan again. Um, Before that, I never had an issue with food. I even remember like looking at some of my friends who would have weird things with food and be like, wow, that is so interesting. Like I have a memory. I realize now my friend was trying to lose weight, but we went out and got um, bagel sandwiches and she only ate half of her bagel sandwich. And I was like, how are you only going to eat half of your bagel sandwich? So I ate the rest of her bagel sandwich and my bagel sandwich. Just little things I would notice and I'd be like, wow, that is so interesting. Even drunken munchies, like I never had those. Mm -hmm. Which later, oh my God, I had crazy drunken munchies. But I'd go back to my friend's house, this would be in like eighth grade, and she would always want to eat something after like a night of drinking. And I'd be like, wow, that is so interesting. Like I just have no desire to do that. And then at 19, I developed this issue with binge eating where, like, I just cannot... I would spend days, you know, just eating, like, food. Like, tons of food. Did that ever lead to any sort of, like, uh, battles with depression or... Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. It did. I mean, it really affected my whole life because I was either binge eating or I was recovering from a binge. And that left a very enclosed life. Like, I didn't want to... If I was binge eating, I didn't want to hang out with people because I just wanted to binge eat. If I was recovering from a binge, I didn't want to hang out with people because I'd feel like so uh, disgusting from binge Dead eating. inside? Yeah, I'd feel dead inside, exactly. So yeah. I didn't want to like be social. And it was honestly like a prison. And I'm so grateful. Like Finally, I don't feel the urge to binge anymore. I, like, I've gone through times when... It's weird. People don't really understand because I'm thin and like you hear me talk about it, but most people don't really understand how much it really affected my life. But I've had moments where I'm like, this is my life now. And it has been for, I've had this issue for 13 years. So I'd be in a moment of 
eight years into binge eating, this is my life. Mm -hmm. This is going to be my life. I'm never going to, I may as well just end it now because I have this issue with freaking binge eating. Yeah. Like I've felt that way before. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it really taxes your system and your organs and, you know, our, everything. our mental space oh, is so sure. connected to our gut even. It's yeah. amazing, but we produce neurochemicals like serotonin in our gut. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, it did make me feel depressed. But through that, I realized I have an ability to eat an insane amount of food at once. Uh-huh. This mukbang thing on YouTube, I can do this. And so that's how I started um, my Divine Munchies mukbang channel. Because I was like, I have that wow factor where holy shit, how can that thin girl eat that much food? Well, That's crazy. And you've been extremely successful. I mean, you have 380,000 subscribers-ish. Yeah. yeah. In that ballpark. About that much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is... That's fucking insane. <laughs> like, that's crazy. The crazy thing is, is if I kept going, like... I've had a really kind of rocky time with my relationship with Patrick, who I met in Thailand. Mm -hmm. Pretty much our whole relationship Mm -hmm. um, has been rocky, so that's affected my performance on YouTube, as well as I've switched my content, I've rebranded myself. If I didn't switch my content, if I didn't rebrand myself, I would have over a million followers by now. Yeah. For sure. Um, but if you build up an audience who expects a certain thing from you and then you change and you're like, I can't give you that thing anymore, um, that affects, you know, everything, everything. Well, so for you, what's that been like being a life of a, of a serious influencer? You did it yourself. There was no, like there was nothing other than you having an idea and transforming it into a video on a YouTube channel. Yeah, like I never even I would I would love to do collaborations, but yeah. I never did any of that. Like every all my I built it all. Yeah. Yeah. So what what was that like for you and then to to where you're at now with it? It's Cuz you were talking about rebranding and having yeah. to change kind of as well as having, you know, the emotional factors of the relationship being turbulent and there's so much more involved in that that's hindered your growth yeah in in the last couple years so my youtube channel like growing it and building it has been like an accomplishment of my life (laughs) yes i feel more proud about the channel than my berkeley degree because my berkeley degree that was me. I mean, I feel very proud about that too. It was so hard and I but like it's did just it. School. But it's just school. Mm-hmm. It's not what I want to anybody do. Who, well, anybody who applies himself can do it. Yeah. And what you pointed out earlier is that when you went back to school, you were like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this the best that I possibly can. Which like that was something that I lacked growing up in high school. But now when I go back to things, I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this the best that I possibly can. So I could I can relate to that. So when you went back to school, you did it the best that you possibly could, and you came out successful. Because yeah. in my opinion, anybody can do that. And anybody who yeah. says that they fucking can't do that, and anybody who's not willing to do the legwork, 
yeah. in order to apply themselves and accomplish something. That's not on anything other than the person being lazy as shit <laughs> and like maybe depressed or battling other issues that they're not willing to work through in order to be a successful human being. Because in my opinion, and it's fucked up because like you think back to school, this person, you know, on you get a report card and the teacher would be like, if only they applied themselves, they could do so many things yeah. in life. And like, dude, that was like my report card, every fucking report <laughs> card four times a year, my entire life growing up. And now looking back at it, it is like, if I was only able to apply myself and understand how to apply myself back then, maybe my school career would have been entirely different. But like, that's really what it boils down to. It's like anybody can fucking do anything. If they apply themselves, if they stay fucking positive, if they don't get into like negative mental traps where we fucking defeat ourselves before we've even tried, you know? So yeah, the school degree, the school degree is, is awesome. But like you said, it's school. Yeah, exactly. It's school. It was that vision started when I was living in LA of, I don't want to wait tables for the rest of my life. How can I get ahead of this school? That's the answer. So that's what I did. (laughs) YouTube was, oh my gosh, this is my dream. Like this would be an epic, amazing life. Like this is what I want to do. And me trying so hard with my other channel and it not going anywhere. And then divine munchies with it exploding going off and I'm making decent money and I'm taking care of myself and I'm like working really hard but like the work that I want to do and it was like the accomplishment like I'm so proud of like that accomplishment Mm -hmm. and so for it to go from you know being really successful and having a lot of traction to where I'm kind of at now where I stopped doing the big eating shows and I went through this whole time when I didn't even want to post content and I was trying to do other things and a lot of it is tied into, um, you know, rocky relationship. It's, it's hard to be emotional turmoil, emotional turmoil. It's hard to do anything when you're in an emotional space, especially, you know, online stuff where you have people scrutinizing you all the time and like you have to put out a presence to people. There was times when I just couldn't do it. Yeah. I was just like, well, it's super difficult when you become under the attack from other people and you're like, I'm just trying to do my best and do my own shit. And then people are super negative or upset or angry. And usually it waters down to you're not helping them. You're not doing something for them or, or whatever, you know what I mean? And, and, but it's, it's, uh, I don't want to say it's off putting, but I, for lack of a better word right now, it's, it's totally off putting, you know? And then also on the backside, when you're dealing with your own personal life and your own personal turmoil, you know, because I'm sure as with you same same for me, like my personal life stuff, 99% of it never sees the light of day on social media. You know, people see exactly what I want them to see, Um, you know, and that doesn't mean that there's tons of negative, terrible stuff, you know, but it it just means that like, I, I try not to include a lot about my family. I try not to include a lot about my personal friendships and personal relationships that I have with people because A, out of protecting them, but out of protecting myself as well, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, it's good to have some discretion because it's crazy when you let it all hang out there and you'll have people scrutinizing you when you do. Like, I definitely am pretty, I try to be pretty honest, but you never share everything. And sometimes people, they forget that and they think they're seeing every total, the whole totality of you and they're just seeing like a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been times when I was having relationship issues where like I was just so emotionally crippled. Fucked. Yeah, like bad, like in a deep, dark hole, like it's been bad. So during those times, like I just couldn't produce content and, you know, YouTube is about consistency. You know, they want you to be consistent. They want you to keep producing the content that they are used to seeing from you. And if you can't provide that. You mean mm, YouTubers that are subscribed? Your subscribers. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's understandable because, you know, if I subscribe to someone because they're offering a specific thing and then they're not offering that thing anymore, I might be like, oh, unsubscribe. Yeah. You know, it's normal, natural. I get it. Um, but being the content creator of my own channel, yeah, it is hard. Um, you know, I realized that I don't want to eat giant amounts of food anymore because that's not a sustainable life for me, mm -hmm. especially now that I'm getting over binge eating. I just, there's something about eating a meal and feeling energized to go do other things in the day. You know, when I was doing mukbang, it was like I would eat and then I would have to like lay down for a few hours. <laughs> And then maybe edit the video and like that was my life, you know, and I just, I want, I want to be healthy. I can only imagine if I did that for years and years, like where, what would happen to my body? Like, especially with the 13 years of binge eating. So yeah, so I switched my content in that way as well. And then I also changed my channel name, mm -hmm. um, which is huge. That's a big deal mm -hmm. when you build up 380,000 followers under Divine Munchies and then change your name. Like what would I, you change it to? My name, Star Brady. Yeah. So I have people, you know, being like, what happened to Divine Munchies? Like still commenting even though I've been changed for, um, when did I change it? It might have been like four months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people just don't know the name Star Brady. So if they see that in the thing, it means nothing to yeah. them. So that's a huge... Knock, knock, new name. Who this? Who is that? Yeah. Who is... <laughs> nobody knows who that is. Yeah. So they're not going to watch the videos. They don't the know videos. that that's the creator. Yeah. yeah, they don't know that that's me. And then that in combination with my changed content, in combination with my lack of consistency. You know, I tried to put put random things I was like oh maybe I can start doing crime videos so I like started doing these crime videos and my following's like what the hell is going on here you're doing crime videos uh, yeah emotional yeah and that was just me I don't want to talk about myself I yeah. don't want to talk about myself um you know because mukbang you really you talk about yourself you eat the food i'm like i don't want to talk about myself i'm having like issues here i still want to produce content oh maybe i'll do the crime videos as well as i was tired of eating vegan junk food 
You can only eat so many healthy vegan things on an eating show before it gets really boring. And redundant. Yeah, so you have to eat the vegan burgers, the vegan cheeses, the vegan junk. And I'm, I don't want to eat that shit anymore. Vegan cheese is fucking weird, dude. <laughs> I love, like, one of my good friends who's a vegan, she always is like, oh, look at this pulled pork sandwich I had, which is fruit. Jackfruit? Jackfruit. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, that's, you can't call that fucking pulled pork, dude, because there is no pork in that. That's what people would say to me or like, label my things. Or like, or like, oh, look at this cheeseburger I'm having that's 100% vegan, and she sends me like a picture or a video, and I'm like, <laughs> bro, eat real fucking cheese. Like, why, and, and feel free to like jump in and go on any rant you want while I'm having this episode. Uh, why don't you just eat a real cheeseburger? Eat real cheese. Like you're going so far in this quote vegan lifestyle to be a normal eater of normal foods, but you're concocting these fucking makeshift not real yeah, man-made products. Man-made processed products just to call yourself a vegan fucking cheeseburger eater or a or a whatever product it is like jackfruit or taco meat or all this stuff which none of it is meat or dairy or anything that it's portraying but it's okay because it's safe and it's vegan and i'm like bro that shit just doesn't make sense oh look at my vegan pepperoni pizza there's no fucking cheese on there there's no pepperoni on there that's all fake shit like i did a lot of that on my channel i ate so much but like to that. me to me that's living in a delusion like i am painting the scenery and calling all this shit exactly what it's not and i'm making it to fit my narrative that i want it's all lies in my opinion this is all my opinion and i'm not saying that vegans are liars or fucking crazy or delusional or anything like that but in my opinion when you make a cheese pizza with pepperoni on it you make a cheese pizza with pepperoni on it, not vegan supplemented products that are none of the products that you say that they are or that people say they are. Yeah. Well, Woo! in my... In, Sorry. <laughs> no. In, on it, dude. In my... Um, before I started my mukbang channel, I never ate that vegan processed meats or cheeses. I wasn't raised on it. My yeah. parents didn't raise me on well, it. Your mom was like fairly, I don't want to say a raw vegan, but she was more into like the healthy organic Yeah, we ate like the natural. Without meat and without cheese. Yeah, exactly. And without supplemental bullshit. And that's really the healthy way to be a vegan. Yeah. All of this processed junk. Yeah. I ate it for the channel. I ate it to make more. Followers. Well, to make more entertaining yeah. videos. Yeah. Um, that's why I ate it. If I wasn't, if I didn't have my channel, I wouldn't want to eat it because I think it's really unhealthy. It's processed junk, most of it. There are some healthy vegan uh, cheeses, but they're not the ones that like are the cheese. They're kind of like the nut cheeses and they're a bit different. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I got to a place where I really, I just didn't want to eat all that vegan junk food and like in giant amounts of food. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll do crime videos and just totally change what I'm doing. And people were like, what the hell is going on here? Um, 
So now I've rebranded and I'm doing different type of videos, but I'm kind of coming back to doing more food videos and eating videos mm -hmm. now that I um, have become an omnivore. Um, a few months ago, I started eating meat. Not I started for health reasons. I was having some health issues. Mm -hmm. um, but now that I am here um, and I'm eating, you know, a more varied diet, I'm like, wow, you know, there's a lot more opportunity to create different types of food videos. And I actually feel, you know, I feel healthier eating a burger, like an organic grass-fed, you know, burger with some really good cheese on it now than I did as a vegan because it feels real. It feels like this is like good quality meat. There's like nutrition in there and I'm putting that into my body. Whereas when I ate the vegan stuff, I was like, this is just complete junk and I'm putting it into my body. Yeah. So now I feel like there's a lot more uh, variety of things that I can eat and actually feel like this is actually adding some like nutrition to my body mm -hmm. whereas with the vegan junk food I would be like I'm eating this it does taste good but it's just such junk it's terrible um yeah. and now that I'm eating meat and like I do feel like you know there's a lot of nutrition in what I'm eating well you said that you were having health issues yeah. that maybe started to call to the call to your attention that you needed to add yeah, these, meat into your diet. What what can you talk? Yeah, do you want to talk about the health issues? Um, these are some issues that like they've been with me for a long time, mm -hmm. and it just kind of started to become like normal. Like this was just kind of how my experience of life kind of was. But then you know I talked to my mom about it, and she'd be like, "Start. That's not good. Like that's not right. That's not normal." So I'd be like. All right, something needs to change. I want to try being an omnivore and see if that's going to help me. Uh-huh. So my health issues, like the main issue that started to like concern my mom and stuff like that was I would get these really intense head rushes. And they weren't just like, oh, I have a little head rush. It was like, let's say I would be sitting here and I would get up to stand I would have this experience where my vision would go completely black. Um, I would have to scrouch down to the floor because my body would start like shaking, almost like having a little seizure. Some people have thought I was having seizures, but they're not seizures. They're like somehow my, my brain's not getting enough oxygen when I stand up or something. Um, so my body's convulsing. My vision is totally black I hear this like swooshing sound in my brain mm -hmm. and it's almost like I'm in this like alternate reality for a little bit where I can't see I'm like shaking and then whoa yeah that's like serious shit. yeah now do you think that's because of being I mean I don't I haven't heard all vegans having that but I've heard I've of vegans and vegetarians having to come back to meat because they're having serious health issues where they're lacking nutrients that you actually just naturally get from eating yeah i i'm thinking that probably is what it is um because since switching my diet i've had 
I was getting those like daily, multiple times a day. Mm -hmm. Um, since switching my diet, well, the last two weeks, like I haven't had any except for one, one day I did, but it was the day after Interestingly, I ate a bunch of sugar and I drank wine and some drinks when I went to that fancy, um, I went to like a super fancy meal and I, I don't really drink, but on occasion I will. And I just felt like being a part of the experience and eating, like I'm trying to stay away from refined sugar because I'm trying to like gain my health back and yeah. there's just nothing healthy about refined sugar. Um, and I just wanted to be a part of the experience, even though like my inner self was like, this probably isn't what you should be having whatever I did and then the next day I had a couple head rushes like that but and they weren't even like really the bad ones mm -hmm. um but that just you know shows me that yeah nutrition nutrition and then besides those like super intense head rushes um I was having really bad night sweats and um insomnia and um, feeling really tired, um, just like fatigue all the time, waking up tired, and uh, yeah, super low energy, poor memory. Uh huh. Um, yeah, memory issues. So it's just a bunch of little things that kind of add up to like something's not working here. I'm having all these symptoms and I don't want to be having all these symptoms. I'm 32 years old. I should be prime, prime life right now. I shouldn't be having all this stuff going on. Yeah. I wonder if it's my diet. So you switched. Yeah. And now in switching, as far as I can tell, you're doing a pretty good job of making sure you're eating healthy meat, organic meat, yeah. You know, not crazy slaughterhouse, you know, hormone injected. No. Fucked up, silly shit. Yeah, I think that, you know, if you're eating meat for health, there's a huge difference between factory farmed meat where they're injected with all the bullshit mm -hmm. and they're living in really terrible conditions and then eating, you know, properly raised meat where you're going to get like nutrition yeah well and then i'm gonna take that a step further into like how i eat meat which you've watched for the last four years since we reconnected which is eating wild game which is like no fences grass-fed no hormones, yeah that's like absolute 100 percent <laughs> organic hunted and killed and harvested myself um, i mean yeah i do take my meat to a butcher because it to be honest it's cheaper to have them process it for me than to, for me to spend the hours of my life that it takes to do it. I'd rather spend the hours of my life doing something else. Um, but, you know, it's... it's uh, organic meat is extremely important, you know? And, and like, um, I'm sure you saw yesterday on my Instagram where I went over to a friend's house who's a chef and they're a paid chef for private individuals. They get paid to show up to people's houses and, you know, prepare them and their friends meals. Right. And, uh, she had venison farm raised from New Zealand oh. and we did a 
a comparison. I don't think she'd ever had wild game or limited experience with wild game, big game. Um, plenty of experience with uh, birds and small game. And uh, we did a, a test comparison, a taste test comparison of wild game versus farm-raised. And in my opinion, the farm-raised venison tasted almost identical to beef. Um, I don't know what the conditions were like for the animals, mm. but I know that the wild game, in my opinion, was way better. But I'm also extremely sold on trying to only eat wild game unless I'm eating out because restaurants can't prepare wild game for anybody. It's <laughs> illegal, but, you oh, know. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because the animal is able to be free and do its thing, you know. Mm-hmm. It'd be a very different sort of meat. Yeah. They don't have wild cows, so. They do, actually, do in they? Hawaii. Wow, we could go to Hawaii eat some wild cow meat. Yeah, actually, um, I don't know. I know that when we'll get into you wanting to hunt um, throughout the rest of the podcast, but uh, my buddy over at uh west coast archery shop here in town which west coast i'm going to just segue straight into my show plug for west coast archery shop Um, they are a sponsor of the podcast they're great people Um, archery is one of my favorite styles and forms of hunting but hans the owner went to hawaii this year and harvested a bull uh from on the big island? Uh, I big don't island. I don't remember what island, but in the jungle there's wild cows. And wow. he harvested a wild cow and it's fucking crazy. I didn't even know like he showed me videos and all that different kind of stuff, you know, and, and shameless plug again for West Coast Archery being a pro shop. If you want to get into archery, um, and if archery is a form of hunting that you would like to try, I'd be happy to take you over there and happy to get you squared away and set up. Going to a pro shop and dealing with an individual who is there to help you and there to be there for you and, you know, learn what your style is and help you understand exactly what you're doing is so beneficial than going to a big box store where they're not really there to help you. They're there for their Monday through Friday benefits and paycheck you know, their interest isn't you having the most successful experience archery hunting. As to where, in my opinion, at West Coast Archery, for the nine or ten years that I've been going there, they have always gone, you know, above and beyond and making sure that me as an archer, I am taken care of. You know, they're selling me the best products that they can possibly come up with and carry in their store. So, you know. If you want to get into archery, I know we're talking about setting up a pig hunt. So, if you want to get into archery, let's we can go down there or rifle hunting too. You know, I'm but, down. Yeah. <laughs> let's do so it. so so continuing into into your meat and your products and yes. So I've been eating meat. I would say going on two months, mm-hmm. and it started. Um, I was in New Zealand. I knew I was going to eat meat. I made the decision when I was there. My, he will be my ex-husband, but we're not ex-husband. We're separated, but he is my ex-husband. So my ex-husband is a super like vegan. He's one of those. Vegans. He's a vegan vegan. He's a vegan vegan. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I didn't want to start eating meat there. Just I wanted to respect that and wait till I got back. But I made the decision when I was there. I talked to him about it. I was like, look, I think I want to do this for my health. I think it's going to benefit me. And then when I came back, pretty much right away, um, I decided that I was going to eat meat. And I was staying with my mom and her partner, Hadley. And he had some, like, really righteous uh, beef that he got from a worker and this worker actually works on the farm and they do a trade and it's all grass-fed pasture local and he was like I'm gonna make these burgers do you want one and I was like oh my god (laughs) a burger and I was like yeah I do I'll have a burger with you and for Hadley my mom's partner he would this was like his dream come true like she never ate meat. Now she's eating meat and like really excited about it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll have a burger. So I had this burger and like right after I had the burger, I just felt like I could feel it like made me feel calm. I just felt like your body instantly had a reaction. It had a reaction to the burger and it just felt to like, meat. Yeah, yeah, I felt like calm I don't know if it's calm or grounding or I just felt like an ease and I honestly think since I've been eating meat like I've been able to handle my emotions better like this separation because like I've said my husband and I have had our issues and this time like I'm just so much able to handle the situation and to handle my emotions whereas before I just like I just could not handle life you know when we were having issues um and I'm like I'm like what's different the meat uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like it's helped me be able to handle my emotions better interestingly enough and then since the burger I've been eating um Eggs. I've been eating lots of eggs. I eat like really good quality eggs, like pasture raised eggs. I was eating eggs. My mom and Hadley actually have some chickens, and I love eating their eggs. I was actually taking care of one of their chickens at one point, and eating the chicken's egg that I was taking care of, and I was just like, "Wow, <laughs> it's amazing!" And that was when you first came back to the state. Yeah, that's when I first came back, and then I've been eating duck eggs, and I actually did my first like farm purchase where I found a farm in my area and I like ordered some stuff online and then they have drop points and one of the drop points was at a um, farmer's market so I went to the farmer's market and I picked up my bag of death (laughs) I mean it kind of looked like it I picked it up and I was like wow Uh, because I ordered a bunch of bones to make bone broth and I ordered some uh, marrow bones yes first time I had bone marrow which I'm, I really like bone marrow. And then I ordered some, like, I just, online, I picked just, like, some random cuts of meat, like, shanks and um, short ribs. And then I got it, and I kind of thought, oh, everything will be, like, making a steak. And then I looked online how to make it, and I realized, no, man, different cuts of meat. You have to cook very differently. Like, so that was a whole journey, learning how to prepare everything. Yeah. Um... And then since then, I've eaten salmon. Um, I've eaten heart. Mm-hmm. Heart. People who follow me online are like, oh my God, I've been a meat eater my whole life and I've never eaten that stuff. Heart and I'm is like, my favorite part of the animal. Is it? Deer. Yeah. Wow. And I've eaten liver. 
And I look at it because I've never been a meat eater. It's all weird to me. Uh-huh. Heart, so you might as well just try all yeah, of it. Yeah. A heart is almost equally weird as a chicken wing to me because that's my journey with meat. Uh, but I've been researching a lot because I like to research everything. And organ meats are super nutrient dense. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, if I'm doing this for health... I want to eat, like, the most nutrient-dense shit I can get my hands on. And that's organs, really. Organ meats, bone broth, and then really good quality um, meat. Yeah. So that's what I've been going after. People who follow me, because I have a food channel where I've eaten a lot of junk food, like, so much junk food, they're like, yay, when are you going to... I mean, some people are really bummed out because they're vegan, and they're like, no, the animal... And, like, I, I understand... Um, But then other people are like, yes, go to Burger King, go to McDonald's. And I'm like, no. Well, what's so let's talk about that. What is that like for you transitioning from eating from being vegan to eating animals and having vegans say, oh, no, that poor animal. And what. Does that have an impact on you? Is there any, like, if you could say anything to the vegans that maybe have reached out to you or have been upset by you eating animals and saying, oh, no, poor animal, like, what would you say to them as far as from your own individual experience with life and health issues and now having benefits only two months into eating meat, you know, and and yeah, what would you say to them based off of that? I understand where they're coming from, and it's a nice idea, you know. Don't eat meat. The animals are happy. It's better for the planet. Uh, It's better for your body. And that's what the vegans who have that mindset, that's their truth. Mm -hmm. It is for everybody. For everyone, it's better. It's better for your body. It's better for your animals. Eating meat is killing the planet. So when they see someone transition away from that, it's like, no, how dare you? What are you doing? Um, But where I'm at with that now is I see things through a different lens. And I'm like, look, man, if my body functions better being an omnivore, um, you know, vegans like to say, you're a bad person. Like, what about your ethics? For me personally, it, it's ethically fucked up to let my body uh, suffer when if eat, being an omnivore is better for it. If I'm able to uh, heal my health issues, you know, who am I to say if that's my design and if my maybe some bodies function better eating vegan, maybe some bodies function better being an omnivore, mm-hmm. my personal experience right now that I'm having is maybe my body functions better being an omnivore. Mm-hmm. And if that's my body's design, why am I going to hate on myself and deprive it of what it needs? Yeah. Um, and so to me, it's almost weird, like... The vegans who come after me in my mind, in my viewpoint now, it's like, it's weird. I look at it and I'm like, wow, what you're saying is not affecting me at all. Um, 
in the in the sense of making me want to change what I'm doing it's just me looking at you really feeling that way and trying to put that reality reality of yours onto me and it's just an opinion but that's not my reality Mm -hmm. so no matter how strongly you scream that reality at me it's not the one I'm having Mm -hmm. so I'm just viewing what you're doing but it's really not changing my reality because I know everything yeah I know for you yeah I know um when I say I know everything, I know what the the um, vegans are gonna say. You know, watch the factory farming videos. You know, like I've, I've, I'm the OG vegan. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how many people were raised vegan? I was vegan in my mother's womb. You were you were vegan before vegan was fucking cool. I was do. vegan before most people knew what vegan was. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, I know about all that stuff and I see You come from generation of it. I do. <laughs> it's true. Like the shit is straight up in your blood. Yeah, it's yeah. in my blood and and another pe- thing people will say, "Oh, you're just doing it for your taste buds." And let me tell you. Yes, it tastes good. I'm yeah. enjoying the crap out of the things gotta, I'm eating. I got to get you to my my buddy Kendrick, Kendrick Barbecue. This dude smokes meat like nobody's business. Him and another buddy. They're both it, I think on on Instagram it's Kendrick Barbecue and Skidmark 25, I think. And I just did a weekend of meat cooking with them on smokers. Holy shit. Wow. I gotta ha- like I gotta get them up here just so you can have like a ridiculous smoked Let's meat deal. Do it. Meat that day. sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, but while I really am enjoying what I'm eating and it's mm-hmm. like, wow. I mean, there's something different about eating meat. Um I didn't have a taste for it because I wasn't raised with it. So it's just an argument that another trying to push their their reality onto me, but it's not my reality. So that's, I mean, cheese is another thing though. Like, dang, I love eating cheese. Yeah, cheese is delicious. (laughs) I think, yes, I did miss cheese as a vegan because I really like cheese. I mean, I made my family stop being vegan because of how badly I wanted to eat cheese. So maybe that was a little deprived when I was vegan. (laughs) Those Um, taste buds were deprived. Maybe those taste buds (laughs) were deprived, yeah. But the meat taste buds, they weren't even developed yet. So, yeah. So you were talking about ethics and, and... you know, ethical eating or, you know, whatever it was. So because you're eating meat and we've discussed this, you kind of would like to hunt and you kind of would like to maybe kill your own animal and eat it and see if you can, because if you, if you're going to eat meat, you might as well try. Right. So for you and, and you don't have to answer this if you're not prepared to answer it at all. So what does that look like for you wanting to transition into maybe being an ethical hunter? What does that look like for you? I like the idea of hunting my own meat. Mm-hmm. And I like that idea because it's more natural. And I know about factory farming and I know how horrific and how terrible it is. And I think that 
the most natural way of being a meat eater is hunting your own animals and getting connected to the fact that you know that is what is happening well and immersing yourself in nature yeah oh well that's a whole nother amazing aspect of hunting but you know a lot of people do blindly eat meat they just go to the grocery store they pick up the piece of meat in the aisle and they're they really are disconnected from the fact that that was a living being a living creature and all they that, see is a cellophane they don't see that and it stuff. is a big deal you are eating a, another creature's life um and i i like the idea of being connected to that um you know i really look up to how connected the native americans were and how grateful they were or even in if you've seen the movie avatar where you know she kills that um creature and they're just like really appreciative like i think it's really great to be like connected with what you're doing and if you're eating animals connected with the whole process of eating animals um but i will say i went fishing and we didn't even catch any fish but i killed a worm and like that was difficult difficult (laughs) Uh-huh. So I'm like, oh my god, killing this worm made me feel a little bit sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think ethically, you know, if you are going to eat animals, um, you know, an animal who was able to live its life in the wild, you and know, mature. and mature and have like its good life in the wild. Life is a brutal place. I feel like some people... Nature is metal. Nature is brutal, man. And I feel like, you know, some people feel like it's rainbows, gumdrops, and cherries. Like Thanks, Disney. You know, but really, though, like some, some people who eat a vegan diet will comment and be like, you're causing suffering. And like, I understand. But at the same time, I'm like, have you like gone out in the natural world? Like... Well, not only that, you brought up a really good point earlier, which was about, like, what about my own suffering? Yeah. What about laying in bed and feeling like shit and going through terrible pains inside my body and not knowing how to do it? And the only thing that maybe has helped it so far is reintroducing meat into your diet. So are you supposed to stop? Are you supposed to suffer as a conscious being on this planet in order to help a species which in most places they do population counts they check what's going on with the wildlife they build hunting seasons and tag allotments for areas around the volumes of animal herds they have right so like if there's a place that doesn't have enough animals to allow hunting guess what they don't fucking allow hunting you know what I mean it's not there's no option. But if there's places that have abundance of animals and too many animals, they allow a certain allotment of tags or hunting privileges for that area, right? And that, in my opinion, is so important for the sustainability of humanity. You know, and like, not only that, but then you look at like the further and further that we're going as humans encroaching into wildlife areas and, you know, destroying habitats for animals. And then they end up in our backyards eating our flowers, eating our pets, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, there is a balance. There is a way to do it, you know. And, and 
Well, and I imagine, you know, if humans weren't on the planet, there would be a lot more predators eating those animals anyway. Yeah. So maybe we are... Part of the predator? A predator? Maybe the I mean, top maybe. predator? I don't know. These are all things I'm exploring coming from a being raised the way that I am. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, what if I really am an omnivore? What if I'm like a predator? And then, you know, there's the argument of... You know, our teeth not being like a a carnivore and our we, us not having claws. But human beings are so different. Like, we have brains and hands and tools. Well, not having claws, but how long have we manicured our nails for? What do you mean? How long have we <laughs> manicured our nails for? What happened before we were clipping and cutting our nails? How yeah. long would your fingernails get? They'd Maybe grow they into really fucking strong. claws until you broke them off and then it'd regrow a fucking claw. <laughs> Just like every other thing on the planet, right, though? Well, I don't know. I don't know if our... I mean, my nails are pretty long, but, like, they're not strong like a but do you think? Claw. But do you think hundreds of years Maybe. ago in the evolution yeah, of humans... Be. What what did nails look like? They could have been sharp Fucking disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, so I think I feel ethically for me getting into hunting and getting more connected with the whole process feels like a positive change. Yeah. For your life. For my life, it feels like it would be a positive change. Because, you know, I'm conscious and aware of, you know, the bad things that do happen in factory farming and also people just you know being unaware of that it com- their food comes from an animal and just so much waste that happens also and to me it feels sad like okay if you waste some vegetables you know what I mean but if you like waste meat and so much happens I think it's something like 30-40% of all of our food just gets wasted you're wasting living creatures. Yeah. It's really sad. It makes me feel sad. So I know something that you kind of want to get into is, is doing a little bit more backpacking and, and getting out into the wild and stuff like that. So I've partnered with Peak Refuel um, for the podcast. Um, I'd really like for you to try this. is a strawberry and granola breakfast. It's very good backpacking food. It's lightweight. It's not, you know, crazy or anything like that. Um, give it a shot. Tell me what you think about it. I love it. That's actually legitimately my favorite breakfast that they have. Um, they've come out with a new one, which is mixed berry. That's just cereal, right? And uh, for freeze-dried backpacking food that's lightweight, holds nutritional value, and is, uh, you know, not insane crazy. It's I, I totally enjoy it. Tastes good. Yeah. Yeah. It's yummy. It's, it's easy to keep in your pack. Yeah. There's you know. water in here, milk, but I imagine without it's, it, it's water. it'd be really light. Super lightweight. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Right on. Easy to carry. Yeah. Can easy just, to fix. And it's good with water. Like it. Just add water. It looks like there's milk in there. Yeah. But there's not. Look at you. I'm getting you to break boundaries. <laughs> Right on. So you like it? Yeah, it tastes good. 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 So you mentioned you went fishing and you're kind of getting into this whole, like you're in this 
change of DIY outdoors. And, yeah. and you're looking at camp stoves and how to make like a mobile unit to be <laughs> able to travel around and cook your food and, you know, do all your stuff out in the outdoors and kind of out in the wild and, yeah. and all of that. Well, I've been boxed in so much too with the binge eating thing that mm-hmm. I'm just like, I need to get out there. Yeah. So that's an element of it as well. So what was the fishing trip like? It was great. Uh-huh. Um, Did I you went... catch anything? No. No. It's not always nothing. Catching, right? It was like, yeah. Did you expect to catch fish? Oh, yeah. Like that? I was like, we're going to eat fish for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, I was really excited. It's amazing when you actually get into it and then you mm-hmm. realize that there's more work to it. Oh, yeah. Than just I tossing the line. Even just the... keeping the freaking fishing line from tangling itself was the whole thing. Uh huh. So, yeah, I learned, yeah, the, the line likes to tangle, at least mine did. Mm-hmm. Um,. Yeah, we didn't catch nothing. Not how long were you there for? Not a bite. Uh, two days. Well, yeah, two nights. Uh huh. Two nights and a little over two days, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, and I killed a worm to put on my fishing um, hook. hook, and I felt bad. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. little wormy. Did you talk to it while you were doing it? I was like, oh, man, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> That's so funny. And then we didn't even catch fish, so it was all, he died for nothing. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I can imagine, you know, if it's it's challenging killing a worm, I can imagine, like, killing a fish. My mom said that her and Hadley, Hadley tried to kill a fish, and it, like, screamed, and I was like, oh, my God, that sounds terrible. That's amazing. Yeah, and so like, I imagine no, killing like a a deer or something would be like wow, that'd be crazy, wow. Uh huh. You know, if a worm's hard, then a deer. <laughs> yeah. What about a pig, though? I always say the pig hunting wild boar is is the gateway. Is it? It's the gateway drug. Everybody's okay with killing a wild pig. Why? I don't know. Huh. People just feel better about killing a pig than a than a deer. Well, I actually I don't know about wild pigs. I would assume so, but like domestic pigs that they use to eat are actually like super intelligent. Mm-hmm. So when I'm eat, I'm eating bacon now, when I'm eating my bacon, I'm like, wow, this was like an intelligent creature. How delicious is bacon? It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> I've been really I've been really enjoying eating bacon. I even made a. Um, a bacon I've been obsessed with grilled cheese like I don't know like for a month now just mm-hmm. like grilled cheese all the time I made a bacon grilled cheese and it was like wow phenomenal really good yeah I even save I save my bacon fat I'm like oh I can use this to cook with later vegan to saving the bacon fat but I think it's good I don't know I'm I'm like looking into information that's outside of the vegan world when you're a vegan you really are looking into all this vegan information and there's vegan doctors and all this vegan information but there's also all this other information that I'm looking into now and like I don't know I'm just thinking a little bit differently than a lot of people around even things like um, saturated fat and cholesterol Mm -hmm. Um, feeling a bit differently about those things yeah right (laughs) Yeah, so I'm into the animal uh, fats 
Yeah. An understanding. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So this is going to be an interesting part. Usually it's a fun, weird question or whatever. This is going to be the dead eye minute. We, we also work with dead eye outfitters. They're an apparel company, make hats, t-shirts, socks. Hopefully they'll make fucking board shorts soon. They make really nice flannels. I like all the, all the different gear that they make. They're great guys too. They're fucking hilarious. Um, I'm actually going to spend this weekend with them in Reno cooking and being out of control for sure. Um, but so today I went down to the store, I came back and made some elk tacos and you had your first experience eating wild game and it happened to be elk, which I harvested in Montana this year with two other buddies. And, uh, what was that like for you? I mean, you, you can walk in the entryway to the house and the elk skull that's in front of the front door when you walk in. Wow, that's the one we ate? That's, that's oh the elk. Oh, my God. That's the elk that we ate. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. You know, so what is, what's your experience today eating your first 100% organic wild game taco? Mmm, yummy. <laughs> Was it good? Did yeah, you like it? it? tasted good. Yeah. Um, I... It didn't taste like, I don't know, I wouldn't have even have known that it was a wild elk. It just mm-hmm. tasted like a yummy taco. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was yummy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing to me that you're so open to it. And I, you know, I love it. It's great. You know, like I, I like being able to have the opportunity to, you know, help in any way possible, you know, and everything I can. You know, it's so, it's so funny because, and we talked about it while we were eating, you know, like you didn't know that wild game could taste good because you were like, this isn't gamey. This isn't, you know, what you hear normally about different types of wild game or anything like that. So, well, honestly, I didn't, don't really know what to expect. Um, it's all different. It's all different. I ate... You're in a whole new world of flavors. I ate pigeon the other day that tasted like a liver that Uh I ate, um, that I prepared for myself. And I was like, wow, that pigeon tastes like liver. (laughs) (laughs) Uh So it's all new flavors and textures and sensations going on. But the tacos just tasted tasty. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Right on. So... For you, where do you see yourself going with the whole DIY outdoors lifestyle and kind of getting into outdoors? And what are your goals that you have set for yourself and, and things you want to accomplish and do and get a better understanding of? I think I definitely want to get a better understanding of hunting and I would love to dive into that world. I don't really know. I'm such a newbie. I don't even know. Like... Where you're two begin? months into eating meat. Yeah, I'm only two months into eating and now, meat. And now you're talking about going on your first hunt. <laughs> I'm just, I've always been like, if there's something I want to do, like I want to like do it. You know what I mean? So I'm, a, I'm eating meat now. I want to like eat it the best way that I can. I want to eat all the organ meats and all the nutrient dense stuff. That's just a part of my 
personality, I think. And so I'm like, wow, you know, I could, you know, kill, I could get my own animal and just get really connected. Mm-hmm. Also, get getting out in nature, mm-hmm. I think, is awesome and just exploring more. So what do you look forward to as far as that goes, getting out in nature? Um, and maybe hunting at the same time. I guess I just look forward to the experience. Yeah. So for me, when I hunt, you know, it's not mostly off of, tra- you know, you, you go in at a trailhead and then you jump off the trail and keep going. And there's no, I mean, obviously there's a guideline to being safe, but there is no trail. There is no anything. You just go into the wilderness and survive, you know, and, I would definitely have to be with experienced people because I would get yeah. lost. <laughs> like, I'd be lost. I'm lost in the wilderness. Yeah. How do I get up? I, they make, which, what's cool about today is there's definitely programs and apps you can download on your phone that mm-hmm. can track where you're going and show you public land and show you how far you are from trails. And, you know, wow. you can mark locations in your phone like, here's my vehicle. And as long as you have a battery pack to recharge your phone after five days, or however long, like you'll get back, you'll be able to get back, you know, and then you, you know, but also for me, something that I do is I really try to pay attention to landmarks, you know, and, and looking at what's, you know, what's up and know that like, okay, I parked my truck at a trailhead and I headed North for a day and a half or I headed North for five hours. I know that if I head South, that's going to put me in a better direction of where my vehicle might be, you know, and understanding a compass. And there's a lot that goes into it. (laughs) My mind is so directionally challenged. I'm like North, South, where's that? Right. Do you worry about poison oak? I try not to hunt anywhere where poison oak exists. Oh, great. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I do worry about poison oak. The last time I had poison oak, I ended up having to go to the hospital and getting prescription drugs in order to get rid of it because every time I get it, I get it terribly. Um, so I, that's like for California and for hunting A zone, which is the lower coastal range and a lot of B zone as well. Um, you can end up getting into poison oak and, and end up getting yeah, poison oak. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And all, not only that, but the animals are covered in it because you got to imagine the animals are running through it. And if you get an animal on the ground and this animal is, you know, ran through poison oak for days and days and days, it's all over their fur and you're touching their fur and getting it off. Oh, God. And then if you're in the back country for an extra two or three Sounds days, like nightmare. there's no way that you're not going to not get poison oak because you're not coming out right you're not showering you're not getting rid of whatever's on your body or came off of the end even if you've avoided it you got it on your hands which you know that helps when you wear gloves right so when you're handling the animal you have gloves on you can take the gloves off at the end and you just have your meat and not worry about the poison oak oils coming off of the fur um but like for poison oak, I've found personally what works best is Dawn dish soap. Dawn dish soap gets rid of poison oak before it gets stuck to your skin and, and I get an infection or anything like that. Um, but yeah, so for the most part, no, because I avoid areas where fucking poison oak is. That's what's up. You know what That's I mean? What like, I'm going to do too. <laughs> it's funny because like if I was allergic to chocolate cake, I would not eat chocolate cake. 
right? So for me, I'm highly allergic to poison oak. So I try to keep my ass out of areas where there's fucking poison oak because I don't want to end up in the hospital. It sucks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I get it real bad too. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. So what else? Well, I think I, that would be honestly my main concern mm-hmm. with hunting would be poison oak. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's everywhere. And you don't want to get it. No. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> it's not fun. Right on. Yeah. Other than that, um, it would just be an experience. Mm-hmm. I have gone backpacking once off trail. Mm-hmm. Totally different than hunting, but it was awesome. Yeah. Being like, it was a really nice spot. I was in the high Sierras. Mm-hmm. And it was like around this really amazing lake and it was awesome nice right on so how can people look you up how like if anybody listening wants to find you on instagram or find your youtube and and check out asmr videos or anything like that or yeah i'm star brady on youtube star brady asmr is my asmr and then star dot brady is my instagram Mm mm-hmm just one R. <laughs> People ask me that. Say one R or two. Yeah. Nice. Do you have any concluding thoughts before we wrap this up? Um. Just thanks for having me, yeah. and thanks everyone for listening. Um. I just want to say, you know, I, if any vegans are listening at all, like I mean, no disrespect I want everyone to do what's right for them you -hmm. know and I'm super happy with anyone who wants to be a vegan Um, I'm just at a place where that's not working for me anymore and I want to explore being an omnivore and I'm feeling really good and it's helping you yeah it's it's helping me it's beneficial I also see you know there are farms who are raising animals and doing it in a very sustainable way and I don't know, I just, there's a lot of information out there, and I see more now that I'm here in a different way, so. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Right on, yeah, and and on top of that, respecting people's individuality, yeah. I think, is extremely important, and respecting that what works for one person might not work for the next person, and that's okay. And it's okay to have diversity of everything everything doesn't have to be 100% uniform and you don't have to hate somebody else because they don't fit into whatever our structure is you know and being accepting of human life yeah and it seems like it would be really like draining to be in a mental state where you're constantly looking at people like how dare you do that angry about what they're doing like That's not doing anything to them, but it's really causing your internal space some distress. So yeah. Seriously. That's never blood been... Blood pressure problems, yeah. all different kinds of problems. You can't change what people are going to do by having an outlook of what they should be doing. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm really grateful that I don't exist in that space because it sure. sounds draining. Well, being powerless over, you know, like people and other yeah. people's actions. At the end of the day, like... I have no control over anybody else's actions but my own. And I know that through my actions, I want to dictate trying to be the best possible person that I can be. And I want to try and help as many possible people as I can. 
no matter what their affiliation is, no matter what their, you know, devotion is or anything. You know, I am. I just want to be there to help other people. Yeah. You know, no matter what, at the end of the day, like, and that's something that I always try to live by is that at the end of the day, my hand is here to help anybody, you know, and, and because an individual feels like their purpose on life is different from my purpose, doesn't mean that we can't get along and we can't come together on a common ground of other things, you know, which... When you and I first met, you were complete vegan, and today you ate elk tacos. <laughs> Do you know what I mean, though? And that's yeah. But that's all through us coming together on common ground and and having a friendship. Of you know, like, hey, dude, I respect what you do, and that's fucking awesome, and I'm totally supportive, and I appreciate what you're doing, and that's great. You know, and you on the on the flip side, being like, hey, I respect you and what you're doing, and I'm totally appreciative of it. You know, and, and understanding of it. And that's just not me. And that's fucking okay. And, and, it's, and it's okay. And that's one of the most important things. Yes. Um, I agree. Right on. Well, yeah. we'll end it there, I guess. Okay. Cool. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.